Hello and welcome to Parental Guidance Suggested. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. And I have a sense that you have seen Frozen 2. I I have. Um, and apparently so did roughly most of the civilized world. <laughs> like I'm I'm assuming like the, you know, the the darker non, you know, technological spots like in the world probably didn't get it just because they don't have, you know, any kind of access to screens. Wow, a $350 million global debut. Largest opening for an animated film ever. And I mean, I mean from Disney's perspective, when you have a movie that makes a billion dollars, like if I'm the one of the executives that's in charge of let's say making money, I'm definitely going, well, can we sequelize that puppy? Can we turn it into like a, a, a cartoon? Like, is there is there potential for a video game? Does somebody want a plush from that? Like, it it took them a minute to do it. Because I want to say the original Frozen was what, 2011, 2012? Mm-hmm. Something like that. So, I mean, it's been a long time coming. But whenever you're doing a property like that, um, Disney used to do their sequels very differently. Um you had the rescuers down under, which underperformed, and pretty much put the kibosh on any sort of theatrically released Disney sequel for years. Mm-hmm. Then Disney was like, we should do really cheap, um, like Saturday morning cartoon-esque animation and do them straight to video. And the first time they do that with Return of Jafar, like I think it sets a home video record or something like that. So they're like, we should do this to literally everything we've done for the past 60 years. And those are all terrible. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure they, they made money, but it's because it only cost you know, $3 to make them. Then, I, I guess at some point, they're like, wait a minute. You mean people will go to the theater to see sequels? Um, because if you look at any any given year, Eight of the top ten movies are probably sequels or they're parts of a franchise or anything. So we finally get to Frozen and they're like, we made a billion dollar movie. Hey, what's it based on? Uh, what did the, the, the Ice Princess or the Ice Queen or something? Yeah. Did they do a sequel book to that? No, it's a, it's a fairy tale. Most, uh, most fairy tales or folklore don't have sequels. Oh. Well, we need that. We, uh, what do we do? Like all, all of our best stuff is based on like fairy tales and Folklore that don't have sequels. I guess we're going to have to write it. I guess so. So, my question to you. Did you enjoy it? I took... No, um, no. No, I know who you took. Did you enjoy it? I Legitimately? Yeah. Like, the music, while I don't think it's necessarily as catchy as the first one, um, and this is, like, pre, like, before you had heard Let It Go mm-hmm. three, four thousand times, and you're just like, we need to let... Let it let let go of let it go. Like it was a like the entirety of that movie. Like the songs are pretty infectious. Mm-hmm. Like and this one, like I said, I don't think necessarily the music is as good. And I'm not saying like it's it's of subpar quality. I'm just saying the first one probably has one of the best selling soundtracks of all time. Yeah, I mean, do you want to build a snowman? How do you get better than that? As it, I, I, I'm just saying, like you can probably like pick any let's say 15-year-old, and they can probably sing the entirety of that musical to you start to finish, mm-hmm. more than likely. Um, 
And this film, like, as far as I know, is not based on any pre-existing story, but it felt like it was based on a fairy tale that I had never heard. But it felt classic. Good. Like, like I said, like, okay, Cinderella. I I know that story. Like, there's just, there's the the classic bits, you know, the, the, you've got the glass slipper, you know, you've got the prince looking for them. You've got the, the wicked stepmother. You've got all these quintessential pieces of it. But like, I've been hearing that. Since, you know, I was old enough to, like, be told stories. Frozen 2 has a story that feels almost like that, except I've never heard it before. Like, if that if that makes sense. Like, it very much feels like a fairy tale. It feels like the classic, like, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like all of those, but it isn't based on a pre-existing like property or story, but it feels very much of like made of the same cloth, if that if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Which I think is good. Now, what they're doing with the songs, I found very, very interesting, is I don't know if you realize just how important Brandon Urie is. I don't I don't think I know who that is. You can <sighs> Panic at the Disco. You can you can educate me if okay. you like. Anyway, he he has a vocal ability very similar to Freddie Mercury in range. He is an extraordinary performer, and he can deliver. Speaking of which, there is a moment in one of the songs that I I promise you it has to be an homage to Queen. Really? Like there's nice. a one of the I, like I said, may, maybe it was just me, and like I'm sure that like you know the 12 year olds that I was watching it with like weren't like oh. Yeah, that's got to be what they're doing there. Like there was there was a lot for the adults like in there as well. And Mm -hmm. like I will tell you conclusively, like Olaf owns most of this movie. (laughs) Like there's a there's a bit when some of the new characters that weren't around for the first one, they go, well, how did you all get here? And he goes, hold on, I'll tell and literally reenacts. The first Frozen, <laughs> except he's the only one doing it. Oh, I wish he could have had, you know, what's his face from Ant-Man? That would have been fun. You to know. have the two of them do it? Yes. 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 <laughs> I, okay. Well, they're both technically Disney characters. Oh, yeah, like, you, you could have that make that happen. So, what I noticed, and there are other bands involved, and I've, of course, forgot them because Brandon Urie shines brighter than any other band and or singer at the moment, but... They released a lyrical-only video of Brandon Urie's version of Into the Unknown. And yes, he can hit every single one of those notes. And then on, uh, let's see, I think it was the day before the sneak preview opening, right? they release his video, which was brilliant and yet oh so easy to make. I mean, clearly he was filmed in one day. He's the only one in it. And well, it's intercut with... Elsa, the the importance of the music video, like in 1995, you could spend millions of dollars on a music video because it was going to get some play. If you do that now, like what was it? Michael Jackson spent what seven million dollars on. It's screen? important that he be seen. I don't right. think I'm, you realize that's I'm, part of the allure. It's important we look at him as much as possible. Is, does he have like washboard abs and stuff? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I understand. It's not that. just that, though. He is the total package. Sure. Right. I, anyway. I understand. Uh, they're doing that, and they're already, because, for instance, he already gets a lot of airplay 
He is an established, he may be one, much like Taylor Swift, with whom he did a duet earlier in the year, he may be one of the biggest performers money-wise globally. So to have him do this was a really nice way to make the crossover to, let's say, the 20-somethings who love Panic at the Disco but feel they have no reason to see Frozen 2. See? Huh? Disney, money, ching ching Disney has long, like synergized like i mean even back going back to like beauty and the beast or like aladdin like i want to say it was what um uh she did the the titanic theme song what's her name celine dion celine dion and somebody else Mm -hmm. did like the beauty and the beast theme like they have made sure that like every aspect of like their media behemoth like was interacting together you're listening to Parental Guidance Suggested, brought to you by Hinson Oakley Family Dentistry. Jane Ellen talking with Adam Cravens about Frozen 2. So telling me that they got a globally recognized like pop or rock star or someone to tie in to the soundtrack <laughs> to their billion dollar like animated film that in all likelihood, like I really, uh, unless this thing has the worst Second weekend ever. I'm not seeing I, that. I I can't see this movie not making a billion dollars. Oh, like yeah. I just there's there really isn't a scenario in my head like unless the, this thing has a fall off like the second weekend of 2003's Hulk. There is. <laughs> we all remember what we were doing then. Well, I, not seeing the 2003 Hulk. <laughs> I think it had like a 65 percent wow. like fa- like just a. Terrible, terrible second week. And I'm just saying, like, the reviews are good for this. The theater that I was in was packed. Like, the I'm audience. Sensing, I'm sensing this is a see it again film. The, the the audience was engaged. Like, it was one of those that they clapped at the end. And even oh, though I wanted to tell them they can't hear them, um, they I, I didn't because they would not have cared no. about what I had to say. Exactly. So I didn't. So the other thing I'm reading about Frozen 2 is Disney's first kind of sort of leading lesbian character or is she just a character that doesn't need a man to rescue her which i don't care one way or the other but it is lovely to have that option of a female character in a disney movie of all movies to not need someone to rescue her well the first film almost plays with like okay in uh the little mermaid Mm-hmm. How much does Ariel really know about Prince Eric? Mm, nothing. I mean, she's pretty. She literally like sacrifices her voice, makes a deal with like the stand-in for the devil yeah. in that movie, so that she can have three days to get a boy to fall in love with her. Like, give her like what is it? The, they've got to get married or that true oh, love's kiss or yeah, something. Whatever. I'm saying, and she doesn't even know him. Anna in in the first Frozen. Meets this character. They have a song, like another really catchy. Mm-hmm. What is it? Love is an open door. Mm-hmm. Fantastic little tune. And you're like, as a a fan of Disney movies, you're like, yeah. Well, they're getting together. I love love. Love is great. And as it turns out, they're just like, yeah. You really shouldn't just marry people mm-hmm. you met like three hours ago. Yeah, that's that's a, a terrible idea. idea. So, Frozen like takes one of those things that really has happened. A lot, like a uh, Briar Rose. Like, how well does she know Prince Philip mm-hmm. in Sleeping Beauty? Like, we don't really get to see what happens to them after that. We just assume, oh, well, it's happy ever after. But 
if you just look at like really like the and I, I understand it's real world application when I'm talking about movies that have like women that can turn into dragons and like magical snowmen mm-hmm. that can sing songs. So I, under, I understand how silly that actually sounds, but it already plays with that preconception in that. So like seeing Frozen 2 take another step to just be like, right, well, True Love's Kiss, like Prince Charming does not ride in and save her like she doesn't she doesn't need a man to do any of this like mm-hmm. she doesn't need somebody else the only thing she needs is to really believe in herself which, which is, is a great message. it's a pretty i mean it's a pretty good like message it's a solid thing to like instill in little girls or i mean mm-hmm. honestly even little boys you don't you don't need a woman or you don't need somebody else like sometimes you you are all that you need to succeed right I feel good, and I like myself. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm good enough. I need another person to feel complete. All, <laughs> all due respect to Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire going around it? telling uh, people that it, they complete him. So what is the storyline other than the fact that she can tame sea creatures and does some really cool stuff on ice? Well, I mean, that that was kind of cool. That's definitely part of I just of know that. that from the trailer. I haven't seen it yet. I don't want to delve too much into it because a lot of this is about like kind of pulling away like Is the there fog. no journey? Is there no is- This you get to know a lot more about their parents' relationship. Um you you are dealing with another kind of mystical like kind of it's it's not snow this time, but it like it's a a magical it's a forest that has magical things in it and you have spirits that can conjure you know fire and giants and it it's very much takes all the elements you can from your favorite fairy tales oh nice so and and like the i I can't touch on that and i mean it's not it's not you know the sixth sense and that like you know there's a twist (laughs) ending or or that m not Shyamalan had anything to do with the movie but it takes some of the the surprise and delight out of the movie if I detail too much of that for you. Mm-hmm. But I like I said, it's all of the your favorite elements from your favorite Disney movies are still very much present. There, there's magic, like there's there's actually a lot of a lot more kind of pathos to it. Like there's some genuinely sad moments of loss in this movie. Like Bambi's Parents getting not, killed, lost. Not unlo- well, just just Bambi's mom, his oh. his dad. Oh, that's his dad right. was good. Great I prince, forget. great prince of the forest. I forget. Yeah. Well, he's just you know he wasn't really around much. The side note, um, <laughs> in the original script for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Judge Doom, his backstory was he was the hunter that killed Bambi's mother. Oh, but one of Disney's stipulations when they went through because it was a a partner between like Warner Brother. Mm-hmm. And that they they looked at that and they go, yeah, that has to come out. They're like, you are not making that canon. There's no way you can put that in there. And I'm just like, did they really say make that canon, Adam? Probably. Really? I'm paraphrasing, but mm. I'm just saying, like, you want to make a villain, like a, a true villain, like giving that to that person, like, how do you get much more vilified than just being like, yeah, I'm the I'm the guy that killed Bambi's mom. What are you gonna do about it? I'm also the guy that went back in time, <laughs> uh, amongst other things, or or was on taxi. Yeah, that's but that's that's kind of less fantastic than so awesome. So uh, Frozen Two, go and see it, and uh, you will enjoy it. I, I'm like I said. Yeah, how a, could you not? It's a. And it's, if you don't go and see it, 
you're going to be like the only one that didn't go see it. It's going to be one of those. If I'm just going to tell you right now, um, if you have children, if you have grandchildren, um, if you have little girls, um, you cannot escape this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is destiny. Like I'm just like if you if you happen to avoid it in the theater, you're going to watch it on home video. If, if you don't, too. if you don't watch home video, you're going to see it on Disney Plus. If you don't watch it on Disney, I'm just telling you right now, you're going to watch it. Maybe go ahead and get it over with. It's your density. So, uh, what's coming up next? Well, I I saw a couple more movies. You in did? Addition, yeah. Oh, in I didn't know that. The, yeah, Twenty One Bridges. I I also saw. Oh well, you see, you say things, and I thought. I've never heard of that. That can't possibly be a theatrical. Well, release. I mean, it's also not you know, uh, it's Clearly not no quite one as saw big. It. Well, not definitely not as. I mean, the only claim to fame that film has is that Joe and Anthony Russo are producers on it. And I don't know if you saw the last movie that those guys directed, but it was a small independent film called Avengers Endgame. So, Twenty One Bridges. Let's whip through it. Who's in it? And are there actually Twenty One Bridges? And are they of Madison County? Uh, no, the 21 Bridges are the references to the ones that surround Manhattan. Oh. Uh, essentially, um, you have these guys that um, think that they're going to get like a small amount of cocaine. Turns out it's about like 300 like kilos worth, like well, well over and it's uncut. So they get into a situation. I like how you're talking to me as if I know what you mean. Well, some, someone does. Like, it's, it's a lot of coke. I've, I've seen enough um, primetime TV drama to know what it means. Several million it's dollars. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine. Um, and So they're, they're the sellers. They're, We're going to get a little well, cocaine. Or they're just the guys that move from place to place. They, they have found a place where it is, and they want to steal it from the people that were going to cut it and sell it. But it's a lot more cost effective if you don't pay for the cocaine yes. before you sell it. I see. Okay. And mm, essentially, they kind of step on what is kind of like a, a crooked part of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, like there, there's cops involved, like there's, there, there's people that should not be involved in this that are. And so it's kind of a caper, kind of a various, the, the movie that we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, black and blue, the mm-hmm. way that like you have this person that like is on the straight and narrow steps on something that they shouldn't have. And essentially now they're kind of, they're having to bring this to light to the correct people before they're done in, mm-hmm. except this time Instead of uh, the girl in black and blue, it's the guy that played Black Panther. Okay. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah. It's actually, like, pretty solid. I mean, it, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, it's the type of movie that would have been a lot better suited and would have got a lot more play if it would have been made in, like, 1997. Mm-hmm. But right now, if you're not, like, a sequel to a Marvel or a Disney property, or you don't have lots of special effects, or you're not from the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Like <laughs> people, ju- I mean, you, they don't they don't flock to to see this. It's a it's a solid movie, but I don't think it has enough to stand out that it you know it, it really catches a lot of headlines. It will it's, probably be a nice surprise when you see it on a streaming service and go, oh. This is a pretty good was, movie. There was this released theatrically? Yeah, and I didn't have to pay for this. Sort of, kind of. I mean, it's got a good cast. Like, the, it's well shot. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's just, it's also not frozen. Cool too. car chases? 
Yeah, there's right. some cool car chases too. Like there's some good gunplay. Like mm. it, it, like I said, it's a good, it's a good movie. I just don't know that you know anybody no one will else be seeing it. Yeah. but it is a good movie. And then there was a Tom Hanks movie that also came out. That also came out this weekend. And, and you saw that as well? Yeah, I watch a lot of movies, Jay. You know what? Give me a podcast where I review movies, and you know what I do? You review movies. I, I go see them movies. Okay. So, Tom Hanks, the most likable man on the planet. Plays one of the most noble and kind mm-hmm. men on the... Like, really, when you think about it, the marriage of like him to the character like Fred Rogers is all, like it's it's serendipity like again i'm thinking who's the oscar gonna go to because you know he's gonna get nominated and you know that joaquin phoenix is gonna get nominated but who's gonna win and those are two very different performances yes you know if you really wanted to go against type you should have switched them <laughs> tom hanks Tom Hanks in the, Joker. in the the recently released Joker movie. Like, wow. let let Tom Hanks have society beat him down to the point <laughs> that like he he gives one to Robert De Niro in the face on live television, or let Joaquin Phoenix play one of the most heartwarmingly delightful kind men that has ever walked the face of this earth. Now that's what I call acting. I mean, the, having Tom Hanks play a beloved character. I don't I don't want to say he's typecast or that's just what he does, but like I'm pretty sure he could do that like in his sleep. He's probably gonna play Charles M. Schultz next, you know. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, like we said, he he will not stop until he has portrayed every living American uh that's ever lived. So where does this fall in is it how Mr. Rogers became Mr. Rogers? It's because Rogers Origins. No. <laughs> I mean no. what, what is the story that's happening? Mr. Rogers is actually kind of a side character almost in this piece. It's about a journalist who is doing a story on him for the magazine Esquire. Most of your story and a lot of the, I guess, your your, your finer points of the narrative actually come from him. But it's about his interaction meeting this guy, essentially just being like, there's there's no way this guy is, is, is what he is portrayed mm-hmm. to be. There's just no way. And like the the journalist has kind of a reputation for finding the bad in people and exposing it. And his editor gives it to him and he goes, I want you to do we're we're doing a a bit on heroes. I'm giving you Fred Rogers. And he's like, I'm an investigative journalist. I don't want to do a puff piece. I don't want to do it on a a kid's show host. I don't want to do and she's like, oh well I'm your editor. I'm not asking you. You're doing you're interviewing Mr. Rogers. Go. So like this guy who's really just I mean, he just he does not he doesn't like society. He doesn't like the world like he's just he's kind of an angry, hateful person. Mr. Rogers. No, the, oh, the journalist, the journalist. Okay. The journal. Yeah, no, Mr. Right, Rogers okay, is where? not. Um, I missed that. And I mean, it's just it's about him. Kind is it of, Lewis Black? Is he the journalist? No, but I'd watch that movie. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a movie right there. But that's. Do do a version of the odd couple where Tom Hanks plays <laughs> Mr. Rogers and Lewis Black is just Lewis Black. Oh, yeah. I'd I'd watch it. <laughs> but it's just it's about him kind of like digging and trying to find he's like, is this guy as good as he is kind? Like, is he all of this? And it's just Yeah. Honest to goodness, like the the film's just heartwarming. Like it 
you you really like Tom Hanks is already pretty darn lovable, but having him embody that character, like if if they would have just thrown like Jim Henson and maybe like the guy that paints on PBS, I I I don't think anybody could have left the theater without crying. Maybe throw Steve Irwin in there as well. Oh. So uh, I don't know how much or if any Mr. Rogers you watched, but I. I know his every move. It's I was I was one of the kids that grew up on Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers. Like this is pre, like not Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. No. Like this is pre Elmo. Like I I the I don't. So wanna... what I'm asking is, of course he he's a great actor, but does he nail Mr. Rogers? Um, <laughs> I I mean honest to goodness, like there's not a whole lot Tom Hanks can't do, and like if it. It's not one of those that, okay, when Jim Carrey did Man on the Moon, like, mm-hmm. he did a spot oh, on freakily. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, honest to goodness, yeah. like, if you were to put those things, like, side by side, like, doing, like when he was doing the like uh, the bit on Saturday Night Live that mm-hmm. Kaufman did, like, it was, it was so eerily similar, like, you really just had to look and just be like, okay, no, that that's Jim Carrey. That's not Andy Kaufman. Um Tom Hanks is not doing like a spot on Fred Rogers, mm-hmm. but like I really think he captures the the essence of that character to the point that like I, I wasn't just like, well, he doesn't. He that's not how Mister Rogers would have would have said that. Like it's not <laughs> it's not distracting in the way that like you're just going, well, that's not that's not right. And like the some of the 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 finer or kind of cooler points about it is like whenever one of the characters like maybe travels from city to city, you know, that pullback shot that's in like every episode of Mr. Rogers neighborhood mm-hmm. where you've got the kind the of the, the, the built to scale and you've got like the little like hot wheels cars and yeah. everything. That's what the city looks like. Oh, nice. So like they almost meld it together so that you're blended into like the credits whenever um, you do, you know, like produced by directed by are done in the style that, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood did at the beginning of every episode and at oh. the end of every episode. So, like, it does a nice job of kind of blending it. And when it even, like, sets up the character, Tom Hanks, like, gets a, a, a letter from, uh, what was it, Mr. McFeely? Is that the, the post carrier? Green Jeans? No. No, no, that, it's no Captain that's Captain Kangaroo. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, think sure. it's, I think it's Mr. McFeely. Anyways, the, the movie is set up and started like an episode oh. of Mr. Rogers. And he's like, these are these are my picture doors right here. These are my friend. This is Lady Aberlin. And it, there's Daniel Tiger. Look, look right there. Here, and here's my other friend, my friend right here. And it's the journalist from. So, uh-huh. like, they bookend it in a way that, like, it's just like an episode of Mr. Rogers, like, would have started. Um, and, and it just they're fascinating bits of like just insights into the characters showing that like you know everybody is not this good and kind but there are people out there that you know were that good and kind or like made made a difference just in the way that they lived their life um and like I said you you probably can't get anybody better to to do nobody does wholesome like Tom Hanks I feel that by watching this if you then reflect upon your own life it's like oh wow I'm, I'm not a, I'm a that great a person. Bag. Holy jeez, <laughs> he is extraordinary. Like they go, so through, he should be sainted, is what you're saying. That, well, they even talk about that. Like, oh, really? His uh, 
uh, the journalist is talking to uh, Fred Rogers' wife. And he was like, so, you know, blah, 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 you know, St. Rogers. And she goes, he really doesn't like it when people do that. And she, he goes, what? And he goes, yeah. They go, he's, he's a normal man. Like, he gets angry about things. Like, he just, he manages it differently. They go, he's not a saint. And he goes, that would undermine everything he's doing because it would say that what he does is unattainable. He goes, he's made mistakes. Like, it's just the way, like, he channels and process. And you're just like, he doesn't even want to be called a saint. He's so humble on top of everything else. But, like, it's just, it's a really interesting kind of character study on this real person that a lot of people, like, they never necessarily, like, met him or knew him. Mm -hmm. But he was coming into their, their houses, like, you know, every afternoon. And, like, there's an entire, there's several generations of people that grew up with Mr. Rogers and like he kind of taught them, you know, how they should feel about things, how they should process. And I mean, the show did a lot of things that like that were kind of heavy for mm-hmm. kids. I mean, you had episodes about war, you had episodes about, you know, divorce, you had episodes about like death. And like traditionally, like if you're just scoping out like an episode of whatever on Cartoon Network, they're not looking into that. No, they are not. So you saw three good movies. Yeah. Like, 21 Bridges, uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and Frozen 2. Like, it was a good weekend at the movies. I can't imagine this upcoming weekend is going to be quite as good. What's coming out? I would would have to look at that. Oh. But all I'm I'm saying is I I really think it's going to have a— Nothing's coming out for Thanksgiving? Well, a lot of times you'll want to hit that weekend before to make sure that— like you're getting kind of that carryover. Oh. Like for right. it. So I mean it's like if you open a movie on December eighteenth, mm-hmm. like you get the weekend before, like when everybody else is off for Christmas, and then you get that crowd from oh, okay. Well, we're gonna have uh there's nothing to do, everything's closed, let's go to the movies. Right. So you get both of those weekends. So I mean it's it's not a terrible like idea to do it. Let's see what uh what are we? Anything? Anything? Not. Anything? Not. Not that I mean. I mean. Not, okay. Not, yeah. All right. I well, mean something. Something. We'll something. S- we'll see something. Yeah, that doesn't sound promising. And then it should be all. I think there's a minor Star Wars film coming up. On the is it the 18th or the 17th? <sighs> it, it's it, it's very near to Christmas. I know that. Mm-hmm. And it is a Christmas gift for us all. I'm last of the. Supposed, like, Skywalker mm-hmm. movies, which have been going on since, like, three years before I was born. Um, I don't know. I I kind of I kind of hate that that I really don't feel like this was the the way they wanted to do it with uh, when Carrie Fisher passed. Mm-hmm. I yeah. really feel like there was something larger they wanted that character to do. And I mean, if you're if you're bringing out the original trilogy's actors to kind of f- give them their finale, if you will, like Harrison Ford, definitely they got to play that one out the way they wanted to. But I, I feel like Carrie Fisher's passing probably messed up what they wanted to do with that character and maybe shoehorned Mark Hamill into doing something they didn't necessarily plan for him to do initially. And I'm sure we'll find out about that. I would say by mid-January, they'll... Say it's out long enough, we can talk about it. Yeah. 
Okay. Anyway. Or, or that we can talk about. Well, we'll talk about it. Just like we talked about that end game show we were going to do. Anyway. Still, we should. We should. Thank you so much for listening to Parental Guidance Suggested. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens.